in the future next generation have no lack of education and everybody can be educated at any time so they have Brendan Newton here he's going to share his amazing story with us on the podcast and it's very it's a big honor to have him actually hi there Brendan how are you I'm really good it's so beautiful to talk to a Pakistani who's sitting in Saudi Arabia um that's very special for me so I'm looking forward to talking to you and getting to know you um, Brendan, would you like to uh, give a little bit of background about yourself? Oh, well, I, I, I came from privileged background. My father went to university. My mother always worked very hard. Um, I suppose you could say I'm mostly a Caucasian male from the east coast of Australia. Um, I think the rough numbers are that your Caucasian males are the most privileged in the world and I um, feel a little bit of guilt because of that um, because I don't think that's the way it should be um, however I recognize that everyone's a human being and everyone has capacity to love I've been very hungry for that capacity for my whole life uh, ever since I was very young I would pray a lot I felt a great responsibility to be accountable to a higher power um, I'm not very interested in debating about who is the higher power and, and the different uh, uh, theological uh, arguments we get into it. It's, it's not so important. As it, it is important to, um, to have that trust for me. So growing up on the beaches in Sydney, I, I rode my bodyboard for fun. I played football. And I tried hard at school because my mum and dad told me that it's important. Um, I had two beautiful brothers, one older, one younger. And I grew up very active and I was always a risk taker. So I took a lot of risks. I would always be attracted to doing dangerous things. And I loved it. There was a sense of life and a sense of calling that came with that. It wasn't recklessness or suicidal. It was something very special. So, you know running fast on the field through teams or jumping off headlands and then later on doing lots of bodyboarding in big waves. That was where I expressed myself and found, a, I suppose, a bit of an identity in my teenage years. Um, and then I started to recognise some very obsessive thinking behaviours in my life. And those thinking behaviours were very compulsive and very unstoppable. I suppose I built some ideals in my mind that I wanted to rigidly hold to, but it's difficult for an obsessive compulsive disorder sufferer because you don't actually have, you feel like you don't have much control over the compulsions. There is uh, an urgency and an anxiety to almost every moment and of every day. And that was a severe challenge for me as I climbed through high school and then I recognized my illness very acutely at 19 years old where I flew home from a professional surfing trip, uh, bodyboarding trip to be specific. And I went to the doctors and um, I was very aware of that I had obsessive compulsive disorder only because I had a degree of education, uh, a little bit of education. When I was young, I'd seen pamphlets and, and information on obsessive compulsive disorder and 
I, I recognize those traits, that information to be very similar to what I was suffering from. And I had determined that that's what I was suffering from. And it was very obvious, but knowing that I was suffering from faced brought another challenge to me and I had to figure out how I was going to continue to live with this incredibly unstoppable and painful um, mental ruminations. Uh, so yeah, that's some of my story. Uh, I could tell more, I suppose, but I'm sort of wanting to go back and forth a little bit. Um, yeah. Actually, um, your story kind of reminds of my own, actually. Um, I didn't have a very, you kind of have a very good childhood. I didn't have a good childhood growing up. It's um, because there are a lot of things that happened in my life till 18 years till now. And when I look back at them, mostly there are a lot of bad memories and not a lot of good memories in total. And it's not, a, it's not a, like, it's not, everybody knows this, but I think I've been to places where, like last year as well, where I had thoughts of killing myself, and I was in depression. It's not, it's, the, it's not the first time I've got into depression. The first time I got in was like, was like third grader, and a lot of things happened, bullying, others than that, family saying something. Um, yeah, I can understand the story of what it's like to have pain and how is it hard to change people. I can totally agree because it's not easy for people. People think that if you have pain, it can go away. It doesn't go away. It stays with you. What does go away is time. And with the passage of time, you don't forget it. With the passage of time, you start to understand it and like control it. I totally agree with that. So, yeah, that's a little background from me. And yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful that you shared that. And that's amazing to hear. And thank you for telling me. And I'm, I'm very interested. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sad to hear that you've had those moments and thoughts. And I appreciate talking about it. And I've got a lot of respect for the conversation. It's actually a long conversation, actually. It started with my... A friend of mine who tried to kill himself, who tried like had this thought because his father lost his shop, because there's some legal uh, legations or something, and he tried to kill himself. Um, in my darkest time, I actually found it, this is a double story. So basically, I always believe yeah, if in the darkest times there always something good, and something good came from it. I found that the closest people I thought as friends or brothers were not brothers. But the person who came for me was the person who tried to kill himself one year before and he, he saw me. Everybody was like laughing and I was like, he said, you know me, you're not good from the inside. I know you're hurting. I can feel it because I did the same thing. It kind of, and he and my mother, I got to know my mother quite well in the last year. so. Um, I always say this to my um, my language teacher because I learn Urdu and my language teacher told me if you actually love your mother you can write about three to four essay or writing for it. It's back in an eighth grade I couldn't even write two to three lines of it. Now 
I can write three to three, four lines. So if, if I always say to kids that if you can write about a single page about your mother with different points of view, some angry, some good, you like your mother. But if you can't write something, I don't think you have a very emotional attachment to it. And that was his way of showing that that was the connection. I never understood this, but like now I understood what he was trying to say. So that's a little bit it. So I want to ask you this question is that what are the tips that helped you change to who you are as Brendan Newton as now as a grown man? Okay, so when I, I went out and I was always a high achiever. I mean, I got the highest achievement award for sports and academics mm. in both primary school and high school. So I had I had a high achiever capacity. Um, I then went on to do university and then I took the risk to chase professional bodyboarding, which is not a um, an affluent or a, a, a good um, career option in terms of money, but it was a it was a passion. I grew up watching people bodyboard on videos and I wanted to be, I wanted to be one of those. And it came very naturally for me. And um, however, you know, that doesn't build a career or that doesn't help me buy a house or, or pay the rent. And so I put myself, I suppose, in a very abnormal position of, of working and fighting for this career, which I did very well in for three or four years. Um, However, you know, that took me to about a point when I was 21, I, I was having big questions in life and I made a real commitment to Christianity um, and that kind of compulsive commitment, I regret um, in some way because, I mean, I then got very bad obsessive compulsive disorder um, about the religion um, and that really hurt me because I couldn't stop praying, I couldn't stop thinking. I was always feeling guilty or on edge and maybe it would have been some other topic in my life if it wasn't Christianity. Maybe something else would have happened to me with my obsessions. But anyway, I, I, I continued having medication and psychology appointments and it was, it was a very, very difficult decade from 20 years old to 30 years old. Just very difficult. I went back to university and did some study I tried hard, um, but I've always felt anxious and a little bit lonely, but I enjoyed study a little bit. Um, and I always wanted to be a crazy person who changed the world. I wanted to be someone who was big and, 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 and bold and, and, and brave that changed the world. I don't want to sit in a lecture theater with 200 other people listening to what someone else says for two hours and then go away and write an essay that someone is going to take a fine tooth comb over and and pick it apart I, I just thought that was incredibly boring uh, I wanted I felt like I was made for something bigger and something braver and something so uh, you know this sounds arrogant but this is my mindset I had I didn't I didn't want to be there but I, I completed that because I felt like it you know it was the right thing to do for my my my, my life at the time I couldn't do much else because I was just mentally ill and <laughs> so I got through that and I got a job um thankfully with a group that I was asked to come and tell some of my surfing stories to um some aboriginal kids in a program called AIM and when I went and connected there I suppose that gave me a bit of hope um because I felt this great connection I suppose they loved me because of the big waves and the stories and stuff but I also had a lot of respect for this aboriginal 
group of kids and I just there was such a depth and a I, I don't know it was just beautiful to be a part of that room that mentoring room so I went and got a job with them and then this is where I really started to to grow I was put into a nine to five job uh, nine o'clock to five o'clock job and I I had a full-time job and it was 30 40 hours a week and I had to I had routine and then I also had money to be able to go to a psychologist and and start to work on my mental health and try to find a way out but it wasn't quick I spent three or four years having alcohol in the night to try to settle my nerves after a big big day and I also I'd have to do running in the mornings to get my endorphins up and I had struggles and insecurities um but that was my journey I think if you were to ask me what are the tips well I having a job was really helpful and I'm I'm lucky I live in a country where I can get a job and I can work 40 hours a week and there's not much risk of me getting you know losing my job so I don't know how the people solve these problems, but for me, it was it was routine, it was medication, it was regular psychology appointments for someone who knew about OCD, not just anxiety, because they're totally different therapies. Um, and and consistently, the first two appointments to a psychologist doesn't help. It's after the fifth and the sixth and the seventh one that really started to help me and so i'm still medicated yeah it it's a long journey but i just i suppose on a day-to-day -day level i just kept hope in my belly you know keep trusting that that hopefully a higher power could be real and i would be okay you know wow okay that's really i actually commend you for actually having doing consistent because most people aren't consistent you were consistent you were willing to change your life i'm actually i'm actually glad i'm actually listening to your story though it's very amazing and you're not the only one with big goals i've written i've written here out everybody in hollywood bollywood and hollywood will work for me yeah no you tell me about those goals because those goals are important mate these you know there's nothing to be embarrassed about tell me I've written a lot of goals, but now they're supposed to be changed. Like, I want to be independent and support my family, be having a creative and successful business, and be the world's first trillionaire. Um, be John D. Oh. Yeah, be, be John D. Rockefeller, because he's like the, even in death, he's like the most richest man till now. Yeah. Help poor countries economically and be stable and achieve economic growth. And everyone in Hollywood and Bollywood should work. It's changed. I mean, I want to click. No, no. I tell me the big goals, bro. I, I don't want to hear the, the okay. safe one. These goals are basically um, have a house. My mother's dream is actually to have a, a small house, not a big one, but with a garden that she can go around and play. Because my mother never had a home, and her story. She and my father had a plot of land they bought, but somehow the person who was doing scammed them didn't just scam them scam millions of people for that part of land and my till this day they're in court fighting for it but they don't have they can't get the money so they never we never had a home uh, as a permanent residence so my goal end goal is to actually provide a house to her before before she goes anywhere in life I, she can give the house to my sister i don't care it's her house i just want to give it to her as her dream the other dream is to like 
create uh, like write books i have a lot of have books ideas it's like the closer look into the inner pocket who am i who are you one man stresses another man stresses. they ain't tell they ain't gonna tell you shit. it's all bs and the other novel ideas are uh that's grave with the witch and the idiot and share my life and my friend became my lover it's um and the other goal is to write a series of a comic book i want to change marvel i think marvel has the potential too so anonymous would be its great character that i i have in my mind and other than that i actually have blueprints for the business ideas i created um i can't find them right now if i can find them i can show them i showed them last no that's okay i'm interested man i'm so interested in you and tell me the 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 goal that you keep you keep being shy about you keep saying um you're saying it and then you're hiding you're hiding it tell me okay. the big goal here is to actually tell stories um i actually want to empower and create a platform where people can come normal people can come and tell the stories they're not shy about them and if i can reach a bigger audience and they can help those people it would be a really amazing job for me that i'm actually empowering lives and giving a platform because i see a lot of podcasts not opening to just talking about shows not actually talking about people they give short stories but not actually empowering them i just want to create a platform where not just bigger people can come but also smaller people can also have a yeah group. and like that's really cool man i've got that idea too um i just started a podcast myself and um always looking for someone famous to to elevate the viewership or the listenership and i run into um andrew denton who's a very famous australian um interviewer and i asked him to be on the podcast and i don't think he ever called me and that made me think well fuck it i don't need to worry about andrew denton maybe i just worry about abdul in saudi arabia if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, yeah, I totally agree with you because I did it myself. I've actually contacted a lot of people, they didn't apply. So I was very lucky that Amrita, because she and I worked in the same organization as School of Future. So I got to know her from it and she was listed in Forbes, Future Info. She gave, she gave me a chance on her interview to interview her. It was really amazing. Through Amrita, I got on LinkedIn and started talking to people and I am actually in contact with a TED Talk speaker and a few other verified people such as Kara Golden and uh, Natasha. I am talking to them and they have shown interest into the podcast. Kara, uh, Natasha is actually my uh, a hero. Bill Gates and Natasha actually. <laughs> I'm trying to get them. But I think um, Bill Gates is a very long stretch but I'm willing to put in the effort into it and yeah, yeah I well I, I think I think the most important thing for, for us is to remember that now right now is okay you know we are enough now you know Abdul you're enough now Brendan you're enough now and there's beauty absolute beauty and power in the people that have no name no fame true yeah like this that's that's humanity we don't need instagram followers we don't need youtube ratings to be enough to be to be strong and and wise and happy and all that we aspire to be 
Wow, that's that's actually amazing thing that you said actually, because I was actually having doubts at first, but I think I'm after talking to you, it kind of cleared up a lot of things in my mind about it, and I'm actually happy with the success I got. I'm not actually sad because in my life, I'm I'm the one who started my own business. Uh, my from my side of the family, my father's side of the family, at 18 years old, I have a small shop. It's not making sales though. It's not making. I only got one sale after three months. It's not making anything. Um, started a profile. Started to do some marketing, and it didn't give me success. But it, I started it. At least I have something. Starting a plan for it, and <laughs> this is one of the uh, blueprints for the project I have. There are more projects I want to do, but this is one of the blueprints for it. It's uh, about a clothing brand and one is about a search engine. I always dreamt of making it. Um, I can share a story. In, in my grade, everybody told me, my teacher told me, commerce teacher, make a project where you are explaining about your business. And at the time, I thought about Google and I thought you know, searching on Google is like so boring, so lame. Why not make it fun and have animation and people having to interact with you and helping you and guiding you like bots with AI who are actually understanding you and there's like a two-way communication. It's not like one way. You just type in the keywords. So I had the idea. I Instead of business, I wrote business and my science teacher came in the other day. Uh, I wasn't absent. He started making fun about me and in the grammar mistakes I did. Yeah, that's a mean thing for a teacher to do. My teacher told him to put it in the cupboard. Don't remove it. Don't show it to anyone. Lock it. He didn't. He actually removed it, started reading it, started marking with grammatical errors and everything. By the time next day I came, everybody started making fun of me and saying, business, how are you business? It got to the point where my 12th graders even would say that to me. And I was really ashamed. I thought that, wait, isn't it a teacher's duty to keep the project inside and not just read it? If I did a mistake, keep it to yourself. Why would you tell it? And I asked people, they told me, hey, we would have kept it to ourselves. He wrote it on the blackboard and told us. It's not our fault. And I was telling him, I said, sir, I have proof. They're the ones that are saying, they said, yes, sir, you're the one who put it yesterday on the board. I said, so well, I mean, I mean, isn't it your job to teach us not to rather than bully us? This is bullying. He says, not bullying. This is bullying. I, that's one of the stories of my sad times. But yeah, I, I didn't look at the project for a long time until I read Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I think that project still, I still have it till this day. I just don't have the funds right now because like, I'm not very well off. But I do want to make that project into a success. I really want to like meet Bill Gates as as a kid, twelve year kid. I always looked at him because he invented Microsoft. He from his garage he started everything. He made the Hololens. I was like a, a kid's reality. At Thirteen years old, I was always talking about augmented. What if we can blend the digital world with the uh, real world aspect, make it more easier? It can actually help traffic systems. Many people with disability can also be willing to see it. They can translate the language as well. So basically anyone who's talking, they can automatically create captions for them to understand what the language is. So I always had that. So far, <laughs> not, not so good, but um, started a, 
I think I made a website last year. It's workable on every platform, on mobile phone and tablets. And yeah, and I haven't like got the domain because it's expensive. And that's a little story about my small successes here and there. But I like to say is that remember the small successes. Don't let them like disarm you. Even if you did something, it didn't go well. You did something rather than opposed to nothing. Because as kids here, we don't start our business. Nobody has did it. I did it and I thought, okay, I'm different. So what? It's not. So did you have those moments as well? Where you like, you said, fuck off. I, if I'm different, I am different. No, there's no question asked. Yeah. Um, well, firstly, to the teacher that, that treated you that way. Uh, I'm, I'm so sad for that, man. I'm so, I'm so upset that happened to you. And I'm sorry that happened to you. Because that's a that's a really bad abuse, man, and and a very bad abuse of his authority too. So, um, I hope that you can process that and have a way of um, getting through that and forgiving him and moving through because. I, I believe in you, bro, and I, I, I actually think you have a mind of an entrepreneur and, and, and a leader and, and uh, um, a trailblazer and someone who, who is different for a reason. And um, I hope that you know that because when people are not the status quo, they find it hard to get validation for their abnormalities, but it is always their abnormalities that make them great heroes. Um, but we don't get validated until we get 4 million Instagram followers, which yeah. is which is a joke anyway. So if we can find a way to be enough now, just to be enough to be here, and to be happy, uh, you will always do great things, Abdul. And thank you. And actually, actually brings a little bit of when people actually say something about me, it kind of brings a little good, little good thing about me. But uh, it's just enough about me. I want to know about AIM, and I want you to help talk <laughs> it. Well, I mean, I I'm happy to talk about AIM, but I think the origin of this conversation podcast as well because if if i can actually help you podcast reach millions of people or actually have a voice for it i'd be willing to because i've been collaborating with a lot of podcasts people ken's lens who's targeting uh procrastination athena stem trying to empower women if i can actually listen to that i'd be willing to serve it's all yeah cool no, that's good. I mean, the best tools that I have are deep in the long decades of learning. Um, and I would love to share those tools with you. Some of those tools are like, we've got like this uh, free uh, Imagination University course that we offer to anyone who wants to make change in the world. Um, and, and that would be an offer for you to, to go and do those modules and have support off aim and just go and break rules and and break the status quo and make the world a fairer place um you're welcome to and i'll i'll i'll, 
offline, I will share how you can apply for that. And I can tell them that your application is coming through and it's a great resource. Um, it has learning areas of how to build bridges globally, um, how, to, how to do mentoring, um, how to flip the script. So taking a situation of hardship or disadvantage and flipping that and making it to your advantage. And then we've got this interesting topic called hoodie economics, which unpacks the non-fungible, um, kind of the concept of having cash or money less important than time and energy. So trading social, yeah, trading social capital as opposed to just trading cash. So hoodie economics is we've got 50,000 of these and we want to, we want to help build a mentoring program for 100,000 people by 2023. Uh, those 100,000 people are educational, um, are sort of recipients of educational inequity. And these hoodies will become our cash. They will become our, our, our symbol. And we're not paying people to do things, but we'll send them 100 hoodies to give to their friends so they can wear with pride this, this emblem of fairness. Um, so there's all these topics that we've, uh, we've developed over the last 10 years that can help, help brave entrepreneurial people to, uh, I suppose, connect with a global network of people and then accelerate their ideas and feel safe about being abnormal. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually impressed about hoodie economics actually because as an economics student, I always say this, that money is not the most important part of it because we depend upon Keynesian, yeah, sorry, Keynesian theory. Keynesian says that we push money into the economy and the economy starts growing. And that's where the government debt comes into place, government loans come into place. And that's where businesses and economies in the short run, they can stabilize themselves. For in the long run, they don't. Unless until you're like America who like owns the IMF. Okay, who owns the IMF, takes loans from them. Unless until you have America, you can then do it. You can do use debt finance. But for small economic countries, it's a very wrong policy. And I always say that if in order to become stabilized, you need to work on people's skills. And every state has a different skill. It's just that we didn't have any tapped into it. Every country has a competitive edge. When, like, for example, in Pakistan, prices for food are less compared to um, the other countries where a burger in the street will cost about like 0.25 cents in dollars. Whereas if you go to America and buy, buy a hot dog, it will cost for $1. Which one is like more expensive, the $1 in America or the cent in Pakistan? So every country should be open to trade. I do believe it. And I do believe that every country should work on the economic skills because skills are important. We, if I can actually shine some light into it, I did some research of my own. And to be honest, we talk about education a lot, but what about the people who are in third world countries don't have the access to education? They are not going to be educated. They spend the, most of their life. They're not 50. They're not going to learn anything. What they have is skills. You can teach them skills such as knitting. Home wives can start to knit. Factories can start to knit. That can create employment for them. Villages are need to be empowered. Most people talk about 
making a city grid, but one, why not go to a village and empower it? In third world countries, there's also this thing about state and there's one guy who has a village and actually makes them work. I don't believe that guy should exist. Instead, there should be an independent village, an independent village with a chief counselor who actually looks into the, like, the entire process of it as one factory that produces something. And that's the one thing I believe most people in economics always argue, I'd say that what is needed is just policies, some good policies and something. I always believe in the model of the EU because EU is a good model for countries to come together. Today, look at the EU's countries. Most of them are very financially well off. Then us, forget about that. The, the concept with the EU is that the big countries, rich companies provide you aid. That aid goes into development. It's not a loan. It's not adding to financial debt. It's not creating budget deficits. And plus, it's actually helping to sustain the economy in some form of way. You can actually do contracts with them. The best part is that of the EU is that when you're trading from outside, it is expensive. But when you're trading from inside, let's just say you have a country, it, there's no tariff into it. So those products can be sold easily. You have accessibility. People in the country will have to buy it. So basically, you know that you have a primary supplier for this specific product that you're going to trade. You're going to earn money. There's no thing uh, like in your mind that I'm not going to earn money or something like that. Yeah. You have a model in you. And I believe many countries should be there. America has done it. America and Canada and Mexico are in their own trade union. The EU is in their own trade union. ASEAN is there for like South Asian countries are there. Um, other countries should do it. I believe, especially the one currency policy. It's really amazing. Most people say it's bad. I don't think it's bad because let me give you a small thing. Inflation in every country differs by the ratio of the dollar. So if the dollar goes higher, your currency goes less. So inflation rises and the food price also increases in that term. So what can you do to do it? That's where the EU comes in. They do it one currency where one central bank sets one rate and everybody's supposed to follow it. There's less in inflation, people are able to buy more, increasing into purchasing ability and people to prosper more. That's why it's such a good model, but most economists don't agree. And I, I think it is. We should. That's my theory on economics. If I could like share. Yeah, no, that's really good. Let's keep the conversation going. I've got a um, podcast that I want to share to you that the AIM founder did with a uh, very intelligent First Nations man on, uh, uh, I suppose, complexity theory to an extent, but it's uh, essentially unpacking the idea of economics and, and dollars and uh, non fungible and hoodie economics so just wanted to i'll send that through to you yeah actually if you actually look at the graphs the graphs doesn't show us anything it's like shows us like this but in reality if economics if you look at there's one straight long run curve there's a short run curve for demand and there's a supply run curve short run supply curve okay so basically what happens if let's just say if the demand increases the price will increase eventually because there's too much demand for it but there is less in supply so this is the main issue here we need to find a way to have access supply in such things that it does not rise the prices enough so if it does rise the long run curve can shift to the left and this can decrease prices eventually in the like eventually in the long run 
because I say long run, long run means 10 to 15 years from now, it's not something. Short run means like two years, three years, or six months. Long run is needed. There's no long run policy and most countries don't do it. That's where this financial debt comes in. That's where these countries such as Sri Lanka and China, I know China has been a very good country trying to do it, but China is also a profit making country. Think about it because Chinese model is to give out loans in cheap and Dubai. The most famous example is Sri Lanka. China, Sri Lanka bought enough of loans to make the city prosperous. Okay, start trading. But here comes the big issue. Sri Lanka can't pay off the debt. So they had to give the part of the land to China. It's now under control by China. Say that again. So basically, Chinese loans are the most cheapest loans out there any country can buy. So Sri Lanka took a lot of loan from China to put into this piece of state and make it prosperous, make it an economic hub. Now, fast forward 20 years later, Sri Lanka does not have the money to pay back China. So China says that give us the plot of land that where you did investment in, it, it's in Chinese control. So that land, wow. now Chinese property. Yeah. That's the main issue. It's not in everywhere, it's in every country. We should stop that. Hmm. Because loan is it the point of here is where's the UN is the I believe the UN is not like it's like politicized because the budget of the UN is actually funded by other countries like big countries such as America, China, other people. So why would they go to against these people and do lens if the UN yeah. can sustain itself being an independent nation? I think it has the chance to actually control what's going on around the world. Right now it's like in a puppet hands. So that's- Did you say, did you say independent nation? Uh, I think it can become an independent organization. What? The UN. Ah, yeah. That's really interesting because we're establishing, it's so fascinating, man, because next year we're founding a new nation. Um, it's called Imagination and it's, um, we're trialing this idea of using hoodie economics as part of the trading scheme in imagination and imagination is not a physical land, but it will have a network of people um, and a network of partners and alliances and mentoring programs and imagination university will be in that. Um, I, I, I think you'd be interested in that. I would be really interested into it. I'm actually, I have a lot of ideas for something. I believe there should be an ac academic city. Basically, I got this idea from a TV show or anime show where an academic city is really populated by students, like teenagers like us, they live in apartments or anything, and it's surrounded by schools. And schools and the counselors are the head leaders in the academic cities. So, um, they run the school, they have their own attorney system, they have their own visual currency, they run it themselves. It's known as an academic city where if you want to become an entrepreneur, you can become an entrepreneur, you can study, uh, like start your own startup here. The land cost is lower compared to if you go out of the uh, like the city and so, so it's not only empowering the university, it's also creating new businesses within the university which can bring in money. People can come and work for it. So an entrepreneur city is, or like academic city is one of the goals here in my, like if I have enough money, I would love to start that city. 
like partner up with MIT or some other country, like some other universities started because it is important today. Education is like so expensive that education city can make education free and more accessible to people. People who want to learn can come to education city. That's I have that goal. It's a, it's a goal. Sorry. You don't need to apologize. I'm interested. I mean, I have a lot of dreams, but um, dreams need to be filled with the actions you do. And right now, I don't have the action right now, but if I did, I would love to do it. And I, I believe what Imagination is doing or Imagination University is doing with Hoodie Economics is one of the economic standards I was, I loved. And I always said that to my teacher, why not this and why not that? He said, it's just the rule of economics. I said, shouldn't economics change by now? We're like, we're studying Keynesian theory, which is like the 80s or 90s theory. Actually, it's the 90s theory. But like economics have changed in the modern world. Why not we're talking about the EU? Why not talk about other things like that because which can empower people? And when economics come, people talk about debate, these graphs. And in reality, economics is the study of human capital and how we can use human capital to empower and create more money from it. Because economics is a way to create money. Simple terms. I'm not going to lie. You use capital, you make money. People do labor. There's known as a circular flow or a matrix where you use money, it goes in the circular flow and everything, the businesses, it shows it. It's the way of making money. There's no hard and fast rule. And I think the definition of economics should change. It's not the human behavior. It's the definition of economics means that the behavior of where money can be put to increase more of those resources to the efficient level. That's my definition of improved economics. But I like the definition, man. I, I want to work with you to see if we can change things. I'm just I'm just high school, actually. I have theories, but... Uh, my sir does not agree with it. Um, I had I kind of get into arguments with my economic teacher. Yeah, well, let's let's uh, introduce you to a few other people around the world and see whether we can keep the conversation going. Um, I think that's really healthy, and young people like yourself should should have the the right to be able to ask these questions and have sensible answers answers from teachers who respect you, um, and. Yeah, I no doubt you've got a lot of things to teach other people too. So uh, I'll introduce you to the university and there's like 48 different countries represented at the university and 400 students. I think that's dropped off a fair bit now because uh, it's the first year and uh, I think the drop-off rates have been a bit steep, but um, there's still a lot of intelligent people from a lot of different countries uh, wanting to make the world a fairer place under these, you know, learning areas. Um, I'd, I'd love to keep working with you, man. Yeah, it's an honor, sir, because uh, I actually, I didn't have anyone to share these ideas. And I, tell, I tell it to my mother that I'm going to make it big and I'm going to buy it. She, she tells me this simple thing. Son, think where you are right now. Don't think about it. I mean, what's, what's the harm of having dreams? She says the son, I'll give you one advice. When dreams don't come true, someone begs emotionally. If you want to achieve your dreams first make yourself emotionally strong if you cannot like achieve it don't cry over it put another goal and go for it 
said, Mom, that's a kind of a stretch, but she said, it is reality. I'm just telling you because I know you cannot handle emotional, uh, like if your dream does not come true. Put goals, no problem. But if you don't, don't get them, have the resilience to understand it. That's my... <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, man. And I think my mental illness has been a great teacher in that way. I've had to put up with a lot of pain and disappointment in my mind, like 50, 60 times a day. And that's been a great teacher. And no doubt in life, you have already had great teachers in your mind, um, whether it be your mental health or other, other adversity. So life will always give you teaching, okay? But you should never have to stop. You should never have to shrink your dreams, okay? Your resilience will build and you'll always have an opportunity to learn the next lesson that you need. But you shouldn't have to stop dreaming. Dreaming's a life, man. Dreaming is life. Um, yeah, I'm excited to meet someone with such intelligence and so um, passionate and determined. I think it's beautiful, man. As long as, you know, I don't know much else about your life. Um, as long as you can find stability throughout this journey, um, and much of stability comes from connecting with people, um, you know, psychologists and, and, and a network of people that can mentor with you. And um, I think that that's a healthy thing to surround yourself with. I mean, I'm 37. Uh, I'm 37. I started getting very mentally ill um, about your age. So that's 20 years of, of, of learning. Um, but I would never discourage dreams. No way. That's more dangerous than anything. Oh, wow. Thank you, sir. But in, in a way, my mother has been my mother to reality because my father doesn't believe in this thing because he had a hard life. I'll share something with my audience who do not, who don't know this. My father, when being born, he never saw his father because he passed, his father passed away when he came into this world and so he never saw his father's love the two people he closest with his like two older siblings they have daughters and my father only saw how those two brothers took care of their like their daughters and everything and he grew up with the example of the first son being i'm not trying to say the first son being the bad example of the bunch of the family so my father is kind of strict in some some areas He's kind of uh, prone to anger something, but what I've learned from that person is that he stays on principle. He's, he's taught me one, two lessons in life, is that you give and never ask for anything, just give. And something will come to you, eventually it will come to you, but just be kind and be humble. I think I can have that. I don't have a very strong connection with them. I do have with my mother. We fight, we come together, we argue, we make fun of each other. And I'm very close to her. I, I just want to give her most in life. Because when she tells stories about herself, I, I told like, ah, sorry. Right. She doesn't have a lot. So she's made a lot of sacrifices and I do want to provide something for her. In the given future, if I'm actually become someone big, I do want to give my mother the most luxury she can get and actually provide for it. And my sister as well. That's a goal. It's been always been a goal, just don't know how to do it. And that's basically story from my story. It's kind of sad, but I guess 
that's that's the way we live and i i believe in this quote is that the fool is always the wiser while the logical person is always the dumbest person because the fool goes and asks questions like if i can be blunt here and like for example why are you wearing this top why this color top why were you angry yesterday but not today well the logical person will think um should I ask this? No, I should even disturb my connection or something like that. The fool, and, but the trade with the fool is that he can achieve success. There are going to be ups and lows, but he is prone to achieve the highest success. Where with the logical yeah. person, one distant road, he's going to stick there. He's not going to move anywhere. So being aimless is not something bad, my viewers. If you're being aimless, I've been aimless my whole life. I thought scientist, politician to someone else. A chartered accountant, businessman, being aimless is nothing. All you need is to find your skill because being the fool helps you to find your inner skill. It took me 18 long years, 18 long years to find the skills that I'm good at talking to people and understanding them. And in this short conversation, I actually understood him quite five, five things better because that he's very a good listener. He's a great mentor. And one other thing is that even with his past like difficulties, he's able to make a betterment of his life. And I see that he has very inspiring goals. He's not sharing everything with me. <laughs> Are you talking about me? Yes, I was talking about you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, I figured that. Um, yeah, I do have big goals. I'm, I want to... Um, I've always had this dream that I'll walk around the street and people will come to me for peace. I mean, I, that sounds a little bit like Jesus, but I, I, I just, I want to have peace and other people will get peace from me, you know? Mm. And when I say peace, like they don't need to worry, they relaxed and they, they get to be happy, you know? Mm. Um, I've always had that dream. I want to, and then I, I want to be brave enough to go through life to get to that point and go through the lessons to get to that point where I can sit at a table and people would relax and feel good, you know? Um, that's, that's my goal. I mean, I'm happy to do lots of crazy things to get there. And I already have, I already have caught the biggest waves in the world and I've, I've done some extreme things, but I'm hoping and praying that I'll be able to give peace to people because peace is the most beautiful thing on planet Earth, eh? It certainly is. Um, I can like, do you live in Australia in a community or in a community or something? Yeah, so I live in a suburb. Um, we call them suburb and they're usually, there's usually like 50, 60 suburbs in a city. Um, and, and the, and the city I live in is Wollongong, but north of me is, uh, Sydney, which, you know, um, and Sydney is one of the cities, one of the six major cities of, of, uh, of Australia. It's a very big country. I'm on the East coast. Um, the beach is about one kilometer that way. Um, Yeah. And I'm in my garage here. It's a three-bedroom house. I've got two kids um, and my wife. We've been married 13 years. She's very beautiful and very um, very helpful and wise. 
she's 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 a a great life partner where she's yeah she's she's a good woman re really solid so i kind of have this um if i can share this with you my uh, my inspiration is that what is it my mother told me and i actually grew up with this and i have this is that you need two things in a partner and one is don't look at the looks the other thing is that with a good heart hmm. and my my mother is the example she said i was the most beautiful woman in the block i chose your father because i saw that man cared for me rather than other people having luxuries and i spent with him even though we didn't have enough money or something he he like cares for me when am i sick he's there for me he says that don't disturb her let her sleep something like that he cares for me. those small things matter most and don't look at the face the face is look at the heart so mm. that's my mother saying and i and i believe that yeah i believe it too man yeah um i'm i think i can actually have some advice for that peace thing that you're actually trying to achieve um do people in your like city believe in like jesus a lot something like no no okay so do they read books or some kind of shows do they read it not really it's a pretty diverse uh religious oh. understanding of life um okay quite li liberal kind hmm. of so i think the idea here is that getting shows and movies with quotes in them and explaining them with life examples would be it and hosting like small conversations like going to schools i think would be a good way to like spread the word of how you can do it because let me get say parents and adults are not going to listen to be fair the people who are going to listen are students when the kids say the parents are going to like understand and they're going to come and also listen to it so okay. i advise like going to small schools and like bringing out quotes such as from the lion king itself because uh, if you watch the lion king zimba and there's like a monkey there who hits him on the stick and says this that zimba says it hurts and and the monkey says of course it hurts the past hurts but you also learn a lesson he didn't try to throw the stick again zimba dodges that's the point here is that the past may hurt but you can learn a lesson and make a better amendment to it the kids movies with emotional quote kung fu panda had one and it says that poe lost his mother in this entire thing someone killed his mother the wise old person told him that you may not have a happy beginning, but that does not define you for the person who you want to be. It's you. So quotes like these can bring peace in mind to people. Kids especially loves these things because it blends their favorite cartoon shows combined with something they want to learn. And they can tell it to their sense, mommy, mommy, today someone taught me this and then like, mom will be interested. And plus, it's actually serving a double-edged sword. Parents are getting something good from their kids. Their kids are actually learning something, which will build up good credibility for the kid, uh, in front of the parents for you, if you want to achieve that goal. That's yeah. Good. That's that's a really good practical advice for achieving that goal. I was thinking, um, 
maybe silly thoughts, but I was thinking that my life would carry a unlikely series of events, which eventually led to me being this conduction of peace somehow. Um, I wasn't thinking about it in pro programmatic um, terms or in logistical terms, but um, I really appreciate that that offering and that advice. Um, I'm I'm so thankful to have shared these uh, deep things. <laughs> Sir, it's like um, like I say, is that your your story is full with ups and downs. I just think that if you can add them into a more creative way, like a storybook or something, kids are willing to listen to them. Small kids listen to it a lot. Is that why you're saying? Is that why you're saying the Lion King thing? Um, were were you saying I was Simba, where I got hit by OCD, and then the next part I I moved? Yeah, oh. because as a kid I grew up watching it. I saw it. I never looked at at that way. But looking at now, when older, it's actually teaching me that movies were a really good example of teaching kids what to do. Same, similarly, cartoons back in the 2010 weren't a good influence. I say this because a lot of sexual jokes were put into cartoons back in the day. And I can give you examples like so this photo drama. It's also a cartoon echo show. It's not made for kids. Not made for kids, especially not made for kids. But they brand themselves for kids. Discrimination was there in case such as if you watch Powerful Girls and where they were beating Mojo Jojo as he was like the babysitter, that's bullying. You're teaching kids bullying. So in the Is late, that Futurama? Uh, it's like Total Drama Island. Oh, Total Drama. Okay. So back in, that's why the United States changed its policies for kids' shows. Hmm. And a kid's show should be rated between and that's why Cartoon Network changed its policy for kids' show. It's more now mature in the way. Or like, let me give you the example. Back in the days, there was a cartoon where there was an ostrich that run and there was a ox that would try to eat him, right? He would use dynamite, he would use that. You're trying yep. to use dynamite bombs as something. And we grew up watching that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cartoons are bad influence, but there's some movies that make a good example, such as Hercules, Disney's movies. I think those examples would really help and resonate with kids. If kids learn yeah. But why can't I tell the real story? Why do I have to use a metaphor? See, um, when you tell a metaphor and a story, I would be willing to understand, but it gets boring. See, the whole point here is to gain attention and attraction. You need to hook it. If your thing is boring, like this, uh, if your content is boring in, on a YouTube, you go off and you go into another thing. You need to get grab their attention. And the attention is only grabbed if it's something links to another story. That yeah, but aren't, aren't, aren't we then feeding the quick fix economy of social media? And that's perpetuating the neural the neural sickness in actual in actuality social media is not as bad as many people say because of businesses like scammers and spammers out there and those who are trying to make a quick buck out of it because of them it's become bad 
but if you actually link something with psychology people are growing up or something that resonates with them let's just say that someone is like very into jesus and like you tell them a story of jesus combined with that quote or something and explain it they'll be willing to listen to it the whole point mm-hmm. of the human process brain is that unless and until we don't gain attraction we won't listen attraction is the key the more we attract the more we are willing to listen um mm-hmm. there's a thing that why mcdonald's puts logos and like red and blue because like red and yellow are the symbol colors for getting you hungry subconsciously your brain starts to think okay i'm getting hungry that's why i need to buy mcdonald's it's in every fast food restaurant they put the red and yellow color to like think us substantially the whole point is programming this this is a very critical thing i say this about starbucks and i discussed it with the the reason why Starbucks is the most dumbest and smartest company is because they write their name in wrong names, okay? So when someone on social media is curious and they see the pic of someone buying a Starbucks, they go buy a Starbucks and to test out whether it's true or not. They buy it with a different name on it and then they post it on social media. Starbucks is winning because they're getting free advertisement and people are curious to whether they do it or not or is it just fake? We try it. That's why. So they're playing with the mind. The whole key thing is the mind. If we want yeah. to achieve our goals, we need to use it in a productive way. It's like yeah, no, I agree with you. I I agree with you, and I think it's fantastic that you have this depth of understanding. And I'd love your help. Um, yeah, I'd love to stay in contact and um, see what we can do for sure. Okay, and sir, final question is here: what What would you like to achieve, like? In the rest of your life that you have, what is your goal and and what do you want to achieve and make an impact in? It's a really good question. I want to give people peace. peace. And I want to give billions, billions of people peace. Mm. I don't know how to, but I would like to give your rich white male peace and your underprivileged um, kid who may be in the slums, for example, I want to give him peace too and everyone in between. Just that that deep piece of I can celebrate and experience complete contentment and bliss and and just that real groundedness there's no striving no pushing Hmm. real peace where it's just um beautiful and you can celebrate um and be happy with that you know that's wow um so in this podcast we have a tradition here and we ask a quote and we ask your opinion on it and this quote is from simon carroll i know simon carroll is not a very good example but he wrote this quote and he said that i only put myself into a situation where i know i'm confident in what i am talking about confident in knowing what i am talking about what is your opinion on it? 
I think that's very idealistic. I think life has a way of providing situations, many situations where, where we are not competent and that can be extremely uncomfortable. I suppose being discerning about how you commit your social exposure is good sometimes, but I don't think we always have that luxury, do we? Hmm. Okay. Um, and these are some trivia questions. Okay. What, your name has been associated with Ben Newton. Who is your name associated with? An NBA hockey player, a neurosurgeon, or a famous actor? No, it's the NBA guy. As you are associated with an NBA hockey player. Okay. <laughs> so in which one of these YouTube channels have you been more featured in your story has been told? Name one, your life story. Oh, in my life, in YouTube? Yeah. Um, I think it has Spanish, um, maybe Spanish subtitles and it is a surfing video of me 15 kilometers off the bottom of Western Australia. It's actually Emperor Diaz, and they actually put a video about you wipe out the Benjamin in the road, where it's a four to five minute long video about you and explain. Okay. That's it's actually. So in your video, in your own YouTube channel, by the way, Benton has his own YouTube channel as well. I also checked that. In your own YouTube channel, which is the which is the most highest views you got in your video? Uh, I don't know. Maybe the the lady that I recruited in Louisiana, or maybe I don't know. Actually, it's a forty-eight minute video. It's like how to run a kick-ass tutor squad. <laughs> yeah i made that about two months ago for the mentoring local mentoring program it, it says one month <laughs> yeah maybe i made it two months ago and i published it a month ago <laughs> i mean i was actually excited with this and that's the trivia question and <laughs> And we in the podcast have this quote, stay home, stay safe, and be cool. It's a tongue twister, and we like to try it. So far, five people got it. And do you want to be the sixth person? <laughs> stay home, stay safe, and be cool. Yep. On the count of three. Three, two, one. Stay home. Stay home, stay safe, and be cool. Yes. Sixth person. I beat you. And he actually did perfectly. Faster than me. <laughs> wow. I'm not usually good at that. My tongue always um, skips on itself. I'm very bad at that. My, my wife laughs at me because I can't do fast things with my mouth. I mean, I'm up to say that you did very fast. And my... <laughs> the, other night, the, the other night for dinner, we had this weird tongue twister. I'll try to find it on my phone. Hang on. And this will be the last thing before I go and sort out dinner for the kids. Um, I'll show you. We're, we're trying to do it together as a family, and it was super difficult. 
Yeah, you watch. Here we go. So that's um my son was eating sugar snap peas in sauce with spaghetti. And we had to say sugar snap sauce spaghetti, sugar snap sauce spaghetti. Sugar snap sauce spaghetti, super nice. Oh, <laughs> it's hard. It <laughs> I gotta go, man. Yeah, and I would always say my audience with a final question is that if you have a dream, don't let it die out. Be true to yourself and actually go to Benton's. Actually, if you had, if you can share me your podcast thing, I'll be willing to put in the video. I'll be willing to put aim as a general if you can share me the link. It'll all be in the description, people. And please, if you want to contact him on LinkedIn, he's actually always available. I'll put his LinkedIn profiles there. You can contact him. And if you have a dream, you go for it. And as always, stay home, stay safe, and be kind to your parents because they're always the ones who make you. And until then, peace. And say thank you, sir. And have a Thanks, nice man. Day. You give me a call anytime, okay? Um, um, I'll give you my WhatsApp number. Oh, sir. On LinkedIn. All right, see ya. Yeah.